to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you... Yes, yeah! In the game, coming up on today's show, a London ball running back, Jay Ajayi, as he comes over to visit the UK as part of the latest NFL UK tour. And we're going to talk all of the big free agency moves, plus the Jets, big draft trade as well. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Loads for us to get into today. We're yes, going to look you. through all... Oh. I didn't do the getting you in the game bit, but I'm glad that you actually had your mic on this time, buddy. Uh, Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, Matt Sherry will be joining us shortly to talk about the Jets moving from six to three in the draft. What it means for the Jets, what it means for the Colts, what it means for the Bills, and what it means for those quarterbacks at the very top end of the draft. And we'll talk about all the other big moves from this week on the defence and the offensive side of the ball. And... We're going to be chatting with uh, London-born Super Bowl-winning Eagles running back Jay Ajayi. He's over for part of the NFL UK tour over this week and uh, next. And uh, we'll be speaking with Earl Thomas and Landon Collins coming up as well. I'm chatting to them from Ireland over the phone tomorrow. So we'll pop those in a podcast for you probably next week. Yeah, good idea. I like that. You like that? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Good. Great work, buddy. Uh, how are you doing, Ollie? I, I'm, <laughs> I've got a stiff neck. Why? Well, I went to my parents' house. It was great. It was lovely. And they've the cushions, the pillows have hurt my neck. They're okay. one of those those ones that you just sink into and they kind of spread out. Anyway, Me- woke, memory foam ones? Or... No, 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 no. Like old duck no, feather no, ones. No, 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 Like down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've sunk into this these pillows and I've woken up the next morning and my neck hurts. And that was on Monday and it hasn't stopped hurting. Getting old, mate. Yesterday... I I popped ibuprofen because it was a pain where I was thinking about the pain. You know, if you've got like a a nagging maybe yeah, a toothache yeah. or something, and you kind of you oh you, just you put it can't away. Sleep can't work can't. Yeah, this was this it's it's bad. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm struggling along. I'm making my way through life, such but a, I am moving a, around like a, a robot. Soldier. I'm like I'm moving like a robot. Uh, How are you? I, I'm fine, mate. Great. I'm all good. You know, just cracking on, just doing my thing. Uh, yeah, uh, off to Amsterdam in a week's time. Excited about that. Lovely. Are you... Might also be going to New Orleans as well. Is that still a might? Yeah, I'm, I'm figuring it out at the moment. I thought you were waiting for stuff to come back f- yesterday. Yeah, then no one came back to me, um, which is a bit annoying. But it's worrying. Yeah, it, it suggests that I'm not going to be able to get there on press passes, but uh, I'm still thinking about going anyway. I mean, are you going mainly because of the location? I mean, no, I'm going storyline. I'm going partially because of the location. This is for WrestleMania, by the way. Partially because of the location, but also partially because, like, it's the best lineup in in years. And I'm a massive man child, and I've got some friends who are already going, and I'd like to, you know, potentially go with them. And yeah, I just, you know, I've figured out a way that I can afford it where it's not too expensive, and so I'm tempted to do it. Mate, just do it. Why not? Why not? I mean, you love New Orleans. Just do it. Yeah, I might do. Just go and do do. it. Be a bit of a joke, but I might do. Uh, Shall we get Sherry on the line and talk about 
big NFL moves and get on with that and talk about football. Yeah, there's so much football to talk about. Let's talk about football. Rather than us faffing around, you typing away, not really paying attention to what I'm saying, let's just, let's talk to Sherry. You throw me under the bus. 100%, mate. People will, if they go back 30 seconds now, you'll be able to hear Will go... Sending an email about WrestleMania. <laughs> there we go. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, brilliant stuff. Right, let's uh, let's get Sherry on the line. All right, well, joining us now on the line, Gridiron editor Matthew Sherry, and we're talking about the latest moves in the NFL and specifically at the quarterback position because the Jets have moved from number six to number three, the Colts having now seven first-round and second-round picks over the next two seasons. They gain the sixth, 37th, 49th overall picks in this draft, plus the Jets next year too uh, and they can really only be moving up to that point for a quarterback Matt Sherry and, and not only that but it also means that any threat of the Browns trying this being cute and not taking a quarterback at one must be totally out the window yeah and I mean it should have been out of the window anyway because it was a, a kind of unnecessary and fairly ludicrous risk but yeah you you only make that move for a quarterback unless you're an absolute idiot, and I don't think Mike McCagnan is one of those. So, yeah, going to be interesting to see. Interesting to me to see whether they've got their eye on one specific guy who they think will be there at three, or whether they're just so comfortable with maybe four guys that they're, they're happy to move up and take the best one that, that's available at that point. I mean, that's the claim they're making, but as is always the way, as we well know... Uh, there will be three, four teams who will all tell us, oh, it's great, we got our number one guy at three, four, five, six, yeah. wherever they pick it, because that's what they'll that's what they'll want to put across. But I think you know, everyone will know who they've got at the top of their board, and the likelihood is at three, there's a good chance that they're gone. I mean, it's, it's put the Buffalo Bills in particular in, in a in suddenly a surprisingly difficult position because they go from a team who were... They'd made that move up and the Colts, to me, seemed like the obvious trading partner for the Bills because this is a great move for the Colts, a rebuilding team, lots of high picks over the next two years, lots of opportunity to put some weapons and some protection around their uh, already existing franchise quarterback, assuming health isn't an issue for him. You know, it, it works perfectly. I think they could have got even more of a bounty from the Bills coming up from eleven. But from a Colts perspective, at six, you still get one of Chubb, Barkley, Fitz, Fitzpatrick, um, the guard that everyone loves at the top of the draft. Like you still get one of those proper blue chip names, and then a load of other picks as well. Yeah, I mean, it, and it depends how highly you rate those other blue chip guys. Because if you think one of them's going to slip to you, and you'd have him rated as your best player on your board, and if you had the first overall pick, he's the guy you'd take. Then, then that makes sense. But I do agree with you. I, I think they could have got more from the Bills. I mean, and that's just us kind of hearsay. But a lot of people slated the Jets. And I, I think to, to make that move, I know it's only three spots, but without giving up a first-round pick based on recent history, I mean, the Jimmy Johnson trade chart is basically irrelevant for these kind of moves. And, and it is a little bit outdated anyway. But I thought the Jets made a great move here. And you could you could kind of see... To me, a long-term vision coming to the end of fruition in that that they stacked up all these picks and then to put themselves into this kind of position and now they've taken advantage of it. So I think you've got to praise the Jets' as long-term planning in that a lot of the picks they're giving away are ones that they've acquired in previous drafts. Now that I thought, wonderful move for the Jets. I love everything the Jets have done this off-season so far. 
Um, what are you? I, I'm happy with the Jets. I think I, I'm with you. I think on that. What do you think about the Bills now? Because I think from a Jets perspective, the Colts was where the trade was. Maybe the Browns at four potentially, but then the likelihood of them trading with the Giants is pretty much slim to none. The, the likelihood of the Browns giving up the number one pick was slim to none. So it feels like that's the best they could have managed. You just wonder that if the Bills are going to try and trade up to get to two, maybe, but. The amount of capital they'd have to give up to do that from 11 is going to be absolutely extortionate. Yeah, I mean, but do you need to? I mean, it just massively depends on... Like, you can trade up to four, can't you? I mean, I I think Josh Allen is going to go in the top three picks, which opens up most likely Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield, who, truthfully, Mayfield is my number one guy anyway. I would take Mayfield ahead of any of these quarterbacks in a heartbeat. And, and I can very much see how Rosen will be top of a lot of boards as well because I think as a pure passer, he is the best guy in the class. And and by a decent decent way to... I don't know, I like Mayfield as a passer. There's, there's, well, there's, there's but, also but a lot Rosen's of talk about what the fit is in... element to him as well. So he, he, I, I, I still think the Bills will end up at four. And, and I think that they might end up getting the guy that they wanted for as well but it's interesting to me to see whether now that happens on the draft day or do Buffalo kind of try and read the tea leaves with that and think yeah four is going to be a spot for us so I think that's one to watch right up until Cleveland Browns are on the clock because I would guess if that move gets made it gets made on draft night what about what about the uh the the Broncos no one's really talking about them in five uh, you know they're in a rebuilding period they'll need all of the draft spots or you know a lot of draft picks in in upcoming years obviously it seems like they may not go with a quarterback this year unless someone that they love happens to fall to them at five so i think they could be a a prime candidate to 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 draft away my feeling is if you're either the broncos or the giants and the guy who is genuinely top of your board is available when you pick from a quarterback perspective. So if you're the Giants and you went to Sam Darnold's uh, pro day yesterday and you absolutely fell in love with him and you've loved him in interviews and you think this is the guy to take us forward in the future and the Browns don't pick him at one, you're ridiculous if you don't pick him at two. Absolutely ridiculous. Eli Manning, I mean, as a lot of people listening will know, we already feel like he's a guy who's shot, but they're talking about another year, another two years of him as a starter. The the thing the thing with that is right. If the Giants think Eli can play at a high level for another two years, then it's even more ridiculous for them not to take a quarterback. Because what you've done then is you've got a two-time Super Bowl winner quarterback that you're confident in for the next two years or a year, and then you've taken advantage of a rare opportunity to have the second overall pick in a season where there's four or five guys who people think could be first-round quarterbacks. So. To me, if the if the love Eli, I think it's even more reason to to go without. I think the Giants not selecting a quarter, quarterback would be insane. I really do. So uh, I mean that leaves it with Jets, as you say, the number three guy. Uh, the Browns. I mean the potential for them to trade out there is definitely there. And I mean if you if you give up the number four, you could easily get from the Browns basically everything they've got at the top of this draft this year. So that'd be what, the 11, the 21, the 53 in the second round and get your pick back at the top of the third. I mean, it's not a bad haul to move down seven or eight spots at this point, but I guess it just depends on, on how they feel about it. Who do, like, I know you've said about if, if we were projecting that the idea is that the top three teams right now are going for quarterbacks. 
I know you mentioned Baker Mayfield, but are we? I'm imagining that it would go an order of Darnold, Allen, Rosen, and probably there, there's the kind of this inc- this increased noise that Darnold will go one to the Browns. But I think Allen looked like the guy for them for quite a long time. He's got that. I know he doesn't have the completion statistics, and I know everyone's going to hark on about that. Neither did Matt Stafford, but he's got the big arm, and he's got the big body, and he's the guy who seems to by the eye test suit the AFC North the cold weather the other teams in that division yeah I mean I, I think Darnold definitely goes number one um, I mean I, I would literally I've just kind of half edited half written a piece on, on Darnold for the next mag um, and I was just kind of we, we've written about how a year ago everyone was looking at this 2018 class and kind of the jewel in the crown was the potential that Sam Darnold comes out and He's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. All things that were said 12 months ago. And and I think ultimately, because of what he did in 2016, general managers are great when they see something like that. They'll fall so in love with that year that they'll then kind of airbrush 2017 from history. So I think Darnold will go first, definitely. After that, I think it's wide open. I mean, I think Mayfield, for me, should go first, but I think he could slot in in any of those positions. Alan is the the guy for me who, if I had to predict one of these guys, will be a massive bust. He would be top of my list by an absolute mile. And he just has like Brock Osweiler type written all over him to me. The the guy who fits fits in all these boxes of what a traditional quarterback is supposed to be. But actually, all you do is see those physical skills and ignore what he's actually produced in college and there's zero evidence that he can be an NFL quarterback. So. It's a really, really interesting piece with Ryan Leaf talking about um, talking about Baker Mayfield and the idea that Baker Mayfield isn't like Johnny Manziel, isn't like Russell Wilson. Obviously, there are comparisons there because of the size or Drew Brees. The guy that Ryan Leaf sees him most like is Ryan Leaf because not because he expects him to necessarily be a bust, but because he's a guy who has that supreme level of confidence in his own ability people love him coming out of college he's won in college but he's never really had any adversity and ryan leaf was like the way i reacted to adversity was my downfall and i did a terrible job of it and i'm no it's no surprise to me that i failed and that's what's going to be fascinating if if baker mayfield ends up at a bad team and spends two three years on a losing bad team while they build around him is he gonna then react in the right way because he's got this cocksure manner to him which we all love but that's been proven to be in on many an occasion people's downfall as much as it's been the positivity yeah i mean i, I couldn't disagree more i mean at the end of the day the, the kid had no scholarship offers coming out of high school and walked on at texas tech and then walked on at oklahoma after texas tech so if that's not adversity, I don't really know what is. I, mean, I don't believe that's adversity. I, I think that's you're proving I, I, no, you're no, proving no, yourself. But I wouldn't call it adversity. Adversity, I'm talking about when the pressure is on you and you're at the top and you're the, the expectation is there. I think when you're coming through and you're walking on and you're doing brilliantly, there's always that thing of well, it's a, he's a walk on. Anything he does is amazing. Whereas if you are picked in the top four, the expectation is there that you're going to be great. And if you're not immediately, how does he deal with failing to live up to expectation yeah, I mean, and I, taking I a battering? He, I, I think after that first year for Oklahoma, there were expectations. I think he improved every year. So, I and, I, and, I, and I like and don't get me wrong, I like I like Mayfield a lot, but that is the potential knock on him, and I can see why that that question mark is being brought up. Yeah, and I can see the leaf comparison. I must admit that 
cocksure of confidence is 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 always a knife edge. I mean, it can it can slip either way. You need to be so confident that when it's two minutes left, you lead the team down the field, but not so confident, overconfident that you don't listen to coaches. So I mean, I think you can work both ways, and I can see that. But I just really like Mayfield. I mean, and I'm not hugely sold on 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 any of the others. I mean, and Lamar Jackson's the guy who nobody mentions. I could see a team, and it could be a team in the teens, it could be a team in the top five, completely falling in love with Lamar Jackson. I really could. I mean, I've just made it, we've kind of done our whole draft issue cover on the four guys initially, and we've just slotted Jackson into that mix and decided to write about him as well, because I can see a scenario where, and, and name the team, I mean, it could be the Browns, it could be the Browns first overall, who just absolutely fall in love with the potential there and and look around the league and look at guys I mean Cam Newton is yet to prove himself as a prototypical NFL passer he's been an MVP he's been to Super Bowl he consistently delivers in big moments like you don't need to fit in the old box anymore to be a great quarterback so Jackson is I mean, I'm massively intrigued by where he goes as well I think Jackson that, that comparison is clearly there the, the, but Jackson, if he's going to be that quarterback at NFL level, that Cam Newton-style quarterback, he's going to have to bulk up a massive amount. He's going to have to change his body type, essentially, which is part of the reason why I don't think he's a year-one guy. I think he's a developmental guy, partially just from a physical perspective. Um, I, I think that's going to be fascinating. But look, we will do a lot more draft coverage as we approach the draft. And Simon Clancy joins us on the show and we speak to experts and college coaches and everything else over the next month or so. We're really going to it's a bit harsh. dive deep on a bit that. bit harsh on Sherry there. Oh, I mean, I'm no expert, Ollie. I don't think that's harsh at all. No, that's the first time he's said that rather than the opposite. Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> learning from the learning from the best of self-hyperbole, Will Gavin. Is it because... You're going to live and die on that sword, Sherry, and I love it. Sherry, is it because he's the only one you've you've seen live? Uh, who? I've never seen Mayfield live. No? No. I'll take it back. I apologise. I don't think I've seen any of them live. Anyway, moving on. I'm going to let Sherry go because he's got to go do some meeting or something important. He's Bye, Matthew. Just pl- probably just changing Thanks, a nappy, Alice. isn't he? See you, soon. <laughs> See you later, mate. Uh, Matt Sherry joining us just to talk about the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. Me and Ollie are going to go through all of the moves from the last week, top and bottom, defence and offence, uh, and a little bit of O-line chat as well. But should we speak to JJ? Yeah. We went down to the NFL UK offices today. JGI is over for the tour. We're also going to be speaking to Landon Collins and Earl Thomas tomorrow, and those will go in a podcast sometime next week. Uh, but yeah, to, uh, here is our chat with JGI. We went down to NFL UK head office today. So here's our chat with Eagles running back JGI. How much of this stuff have you got to do? Not too much, actually. It's, it's a lot better this time. <laughs> Which is funny because you're a Super Bowl winner now. Why is it better this time? Because that's the reason. <laughs> what you can set the terms. You can set the terms now. <laughs> like, hey man, I'm not doing this. I'm, not doing that. I'm only doing that. I'm telling you, because I'll be here all day. I remember seeing. I remember seeing you at 51, and you saying then like, "I'm not coming back." Didn't yeah. I tell you? I you you're like, "I'm not doing this I'm, again unless I'm playing." Yeah, it all worked out. I mean, when you were at Miami and you said that to us, I was like, "Not sure that's going to be in 12 months' time," but. 
Maybe in a couple of years, but you know. Oh, that's how you're feeling at the. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, was, I didn't oh, want to say it to you oh, there and oh, then. Well, I was saying, yeah, we go to the Super Bowl. You, you're like, yeah, hey, but you're in Miami, mate. Like, it's kind of peak for you. I didn't want to be the one to say it, you but want to be a downer. So, you gotta believe. Going you awesome. So, um, last time we spoke, Jake, because I didn't get to. We were still on air at the end of the game, so I didn't get to catch you afterwards. But the beginning of media week. I asked you a question and I ask you it again with a bit more of a different frame of reference. How exciting is it going to be in October when you get announced JHI Super Bowl champion at Wembley? Um, it's the, you know, it's going to be super crazy. Um, obviously, um, that's something that no one can ever take away from me, um, you know, till I'm gone. And even after I'm gone, they can't take it away. I'll always be a Super Bowl champion. And so, that's just a blessing in itself to be able to have them add that to my name, JHI Super Bowl champion. Um, only in my third, like, have done that in my third year. Um, it's a grateful feeling. So now it's going to say London born JHI Super Bowl champion. That's a champion. long title. That's a long <laughs> title, but hey, I want to add more to it too, man. So, I mean, it's motivating. Um, you know, it's definitely motivating to want to just keep continuing to achieve things in, in, in my career and, and just work hard with the team. Where did the Union Jack come from? Man, the crazy UK fans that snuck onto the field after the Super Bowl, <laughs> man. I don't know how they how they got it out there, but they got it to me. And, uh, you know, I was, I was proud, man, to have that thing around. When you were speaking afterwards, you talked about, like, the British heritage, how that meant the win meant more to you because you felt like you knew where you came from. Is that, you know, is that rung true since, the fact that you come back here for the first time as a champion and... That's how people see you. It's it's a different aura about somebody if they've they've gone there and they've done it. Yes, I mean it's definitely a different feeling to to leave one way and come back, you know, better. You know what I'm saying? And to have left, obviously I've I've been coming, you know, recently, and to have left, you know, after that game where we just, you know, in the Dolphins, we just didn't really show up, and then to come back now as as a Super Bowl champion from a different team, it's crazy. Um, it's a blessing. And, um, you know, I'm so fortunate because at the end of the day, a lot of guys don't have the story, you know, and don't even have a Super Bowl championship, you know, and have played in the league for how many years. And so for me to have, like, gone traded to the perfect situation, only God, and I'm, you know, I'm grateful, you know, that it all worked out for me. When did you get the ring? That's the main thing. I'm waiting on it, man. I ain't going <laughs> to lie. I think in a couple months, though, that we'll get it. We'll have, like, a big uh, reveal party I mean I've only seen it on the other teams doing it so now it's like we're having our own celebration Super Bowl reveal so I can't wait till they you know tell us hey it's time to get there's something about being underdogs it's got to be something about there in there because like that motivation through that playoff run the fact that you're at home twice as the underdog being able to take that and then go on and win the whole thing is crazy. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it didn't really matter to us that the outside world had us as the underdogs. Obviously, it was disappointing, um, and it was definitely a little bit of a motivating factor for sure. Like, yo, they're, they're disrespecting us in our own home with the craziest fans in the world, with our team that we believe can line up with anyone, and they're still disrespecting us. So that was a motivating factor for us. But at the end of the day, we believed in who we had. And it was just about us showing up and executing, playing our way, um, and, and just going out there and being dogs. And, and like you said, that was kind of, that was who we were. You know, we became the dogs. And, uh, you know, 
we ain't have nothing to lose out there, and, and it showed. There's a bunch of guys on your team, Malcolm Jenkins at the forefront, Chris Long, guys who are really socially active. And obviously, you've got this unique situation, born here, but you haven't grown up for a long time in America and studied there. Do you think you'll go to the White House if you get invited? Um, yeah, I haven't really uh, thought about that decision yet. Um, I definitely think it's been a blessing, though, to be a part of a team with guys like Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long and Tory Smith and and guys that are, are socially active and, and use their platform to bring awareness to inequalities and, and injustices that are going on in our society and our communities. Because at the end of the day, yeah, we are football players and yeah, we're athletes and that is our priority and that's our job. But we also do have a platform and people do look at us as the role models and as the heroes. So for those guys to showcase that side so much and use that platform how they do um you know i think that they're just awesome and it's, it was a great and it, it showed you know the kind of men they were they they helped the locker room and they're they're great players on the field too so it only helps like you're a great player and you you know you about making things right in the world like i mean that's just like I, a great I combo to, i was saying to these guys before malcolm came and sat down with us at the super bowl back in texas the year before the year that you were there working with uh, all the uk media mm-hmm. guys and he sat down with us and i said look we'll talk a bit about football but i want to talk to you about the social stuff and he went don't even ask me about the football let's just go straight into mm-hmm. that that's all he wants to talk about like he doesn't you know he doesn't care about me asking about the coverages next year mm-hmm. who they think they need to do in the backfield etc so I, I, I'm, it's great that you say that and it's, it's kind of obviously been a massive story over here with Kaepernick and the follow on mm-hmm. from that and so you know hearing that that was a really positive effect in the locker room when people talked about the idea of it being a negative effect I think that's really positive yeah I mean like I said those guys they did it in a, a respect excuse me a respectful way too that I think didn't really take too much uh, attention from the task at hand, which was always winning football games and, uh, you know, not being a distraction. And I think that the way that those guys were, um, you know, doing it, obviously, I'm not saying in any way anybody else's way is different, but just the way that those guys were doing it on our team from what I was seeing, it was just, it was a cool thing to see. I mean, Chris donated his whole salary. I mean, that that's, I don't know who's doing that <laughs> in any in any job. Of, you know you're still saying? on that rookie contract. Nah, you can't I'm, be giving any of that I'm salary not, away. <laughs> hey, you feel me? <laughs> so hey, everyone ain't able, you know. But man, like that's a big thing to do, and um, yeah, for real. But to see guys to do that, that's definitely like a motive. Like it's motivating for me to you know do more. Uh, have you actually spoken with the team since about? I mentioned that about that rookie contract, but. Yeah, the Garrett's been traded away. You've got this, or moved on. You've got yeah, the opportunity to really be that twenty carry a game kind of workhorse back this year. If you have that conversation about what your role is going to be going forward, and and whether the Eagles are going to look to keep you long term, because like say you've only got a year left on that deal, and for running backs in particular, it's all about that second contract and making sure you make as much as possible from it. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously for sure it's uh, my my contract year, so. Um, you know, we'll see what ends up happening uh, with the Eagles. I know my guy LG just went to the Lions, so for me personally, it's just about getting myself ready, um, like I always do, prepared to 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 do whatever it takes to, to win it and to be the guy. And um, you know, however we end up moving is is how we move. But I know for me personally, I'll be ready. Um, you know, and I'm gonna be the J train and um, do whatever I can. You know, and. Um, you know, after that, we'll just see what uh, chips fall. Um, but at, all you can really control is how you how you go out there and play. 
and uh, make make yourself undeniable after that. When I ask about the mentality of the team in the Super Bowl, because uh, your biggest play in terms of yardage, but also uh, what looked like it was going to be a real game-turning moment, it was that 26-yard where Brandon Brooks got up to the second level, opened mm-hmm. that hole for you, you, hit it beautifully, got downfield, and then you throw the interception on the next play, and it's just like, you've got to be tearing your hair out when you make a play like that, and then suddenly the field gets reversed. <laughs> but how did you keep so aggressive and keep picking yourself up and knowing that, yeah, every time when the Patriots went ahead in the third quarter, everyone around us went, "Well, that's it. It's done now, isn't it? No way." <laughs> no, it was it was crazy because it was. A, I mean, it was a great. We we jumped up. I mean, like I, there was a moment I thought, "Oh wow, are we gonna do this in the Super Bowl? Like we're gonna get up on these guys and really?" Because it, it felt like, "Oh, we were on like a, a dominant like path right there." But obviously, you know, they they've got players to you know what I'm saying they play. And, um, you know, they came right back with it. And it was on us to just stay aggressive. It was tough, obviously, you know, when you get a big play in, um, you know, th- that one was just like a freak, a freak uh, interception because AJ almost got that too. You know what I'm saying? It was like just a weird bounce that got to him. So, I mean, it was like th- those kind of things where we just had to roll with the punches, stay aggressive. Um, and even when they went up, it was just about, hey, man, let's get this ball back and go score because we knew they couldn't stop us. And then we knew that, okay, defense, give us one. Give us one. Hmm. We just need one. And BG stepped up when it was time. And uh, after that, you know, the rest was history. Was it always meant to be Corey in on the Philly special? Because you were out there mm-hmm. and then the timeouts called. And we, we got so, we were like, our boy's in there. Like, you're at the goal line. He's going to power it in. British guy scoring a touchdown in a Super Bowl. Like, everyone's <laughs> ready to go mad. And No, what's funny is, like, the play, too. Like, I was in there in the first fourth down it was like an outside toss to me and I was like oh, ooh you know fourth down like what's gonna happen like I'm again obviously but <laughs> <laughs> obviously no but uh, we called the timeout and then we called Philly special and then it was like ooh you know like uh, let's watch this happen you know what I'm saying here we go and uh, obviously that was the, one of the biggest plays ever so that was I mean a, amazing to watch it looks like there's a really good atmosphere on the sideline with you guys there's a play uh, that happened against the Cowboys when you first I think it might have been your first game actually yeah. where you broke off that massive 71 yard run got but you got down. caught yep. and you come to the sideline and Corey's there giving you Corey right. Clement's giving you it's, like, it's Kenyon let's not let's oh, is it not, Kenya, right? so I'm not going to do Corey Barner. like that it was Kenyon <laughs> Kenyon viral TV Barney nah, <laughs> that's my boy it's funny though because that was like my um, my second game with them and um, for them to be like that already like joking and for us to like have that um, you know, uh, relationship already, you know, and that was really only like maybe three weeks together, you know, so that was just obviously it showed an example of how close we are as a running back group. And, um, I think all of us, we really took pride in, in everyone else doing well. Um, you know, and we always wanted each other to succeed. Um, at the same time, we bred like a, an environment of competing in there and like working hard and, and uh, pushing each other to be great, um, and and I think that it was just a great balance of of, of both. How did that vary from Miami? Because for people who don't kind of understand how it works in the NFL, you know, we've got transfer deadline day here. It's so common for people to move. To have an impact player traded on the last possible day mm-hmm. that it could happen was stunning to kind of everyone. Obviously, it worked out pretty well yeah. for you, but. How different was that for you going into your first different locker room and uh, versus what you had in Miami? No, I mean, like you said, it was stunning. Like I was stunned when I found out I was traded because I mean, 
I had no idea. Um, how, d- how did you find out? I was I was on my way to work like a normal day, and um, they called me into the office. I didn't even think of it being uh, trade deadline day. I just was thinking like he just my my um, the VP and stuff. I just want, thought they wanted to talk about just stuff about the team and whatever. And then you know you get in and um, the GM and the VP were in there, and then, you know my ears kind of raised a little bit. And then obviously like the first thing is they sat me down and told me right away. You know, we're trading you to the Eagles. And, like, right then and there, I'm, like, stunned. Like, you know what I'm saying? You take a little bit to take it all in. And after that, I was, like, saying my goodbyes. And I was on a flight to Philly in, like, two hours, two, three hours. And luckily, I had, like, my, my, my manager. He was at, at my house. And he could take care of all my stuff because I would have had to, like, figure it all out. It would have been crazy and hectic because, realistically, I, I was on the Dolphins the same day and I was – in Philly, like a couple hours later, crazy, and and I was an eagle, and my life has changed just like that. And all my stuff had to somehow find his way up there in my car, and like it's it's crazy. Like to no get one ever traded, thinks of stuff no, like that. Do you like, don't think about you no. just think oh you get traded like yeah, but like your life is completely changed. I mean, it all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out. But when you do get traded, it's like it's it is it's crazy. And, and there's other guys It's funny because I had like parallels as well With like some guys on my On the Eagles Because Timmy Jernigan got traded mm. From the Ravens to the Eagles He was just traded before uh, Ronald Darby got traded from the Bills to the Eagles He was just traded before the season So it wasn't like I was the only one that had been traded to the Eagles It was just like I got traded like mid-season It was just the timing of everything So I was able to really relate a lot to those guys as well because they were guys that were on other teams that the Eagles traded for and brought in because of however what was going on with them. So they kind of understood as well what I was going through and we could kind of relate. It's, it's interesting because in Miami they've now like moved on from a bunch of the guys. Jarvis Landry's gone, Pouncey's gone, Sue's gone as well. And there's this talk of like it being trying to reset that franchise. But I mean, was that locker room ever as toxic as that all suggests in your experience? I mean, all I all I know is that um, you know some of those guys that are not there anymore are, are in my opinion the same guys that were trying to build something special in Miami and. Um, in my opinion, I can speak for myself too. Um, we were trying to build a uh, some. I mean, we were calling it the new Miami. We were trying to build something special out there. Um, you know, obviously it didn't go that way. And uh, good luck to you know what they're trying to do. Did um, did you and Gase ever sit down after or w- when you were traded or after that press conference and ever hash out your? Because there was a little bit of shade cast on Instagram. We saw after the Super Bowl win. I haven't. <laughs> Your guys over here are nodding. Guys, guys I haven't had any communication with Gase uh, since I got traded. None. So. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Um, how excited are you about playing at Wembley and kind of slightly relieved that you're not playing in the first game at Tottenham's new stadium? Oh, yeah. I'm always happy that it's Wembley, you know, over the Tottenham field, you know. Um, but I'm hyped to get to go back again. Third time's a charm, though. My two times in Wembley I've lost. So. I'm not losing again. I can't do it. You know, I can't deal with another loss in Wembley. So this year is the year, you know, it's, it's got to happen. Jay, have fun when you're over. Have fun with the fans. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing your reaction to your ring, man. No, thank you, man. Cheers. It was London-born running back Jay Ajayi. Uh, good chat. He's a bit off-season, a bit more loose. Well done, mate. Yeah. Far looser than my stiff neck. Oh, stop talking about your neck. Oh. Shall we talk about the off-season moves? 
all over my shoulders now. It's really bad. Since we were talking thirty seconds ago, yeah, it's spread across your shoulders. No, 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 no. This is shoulders. after Jay. Uh, what, is so this how this is working? When he, you've come back from NFL UK offices? No, everyone knows we've recorded this either side. Oh, don't do that. Pe- peeling back the fifth wall. Is it the fifth wall or fourth. the fourth wall? No, it might only be the third because there's no visuals. Which one's fifth? Uh, I don't think there is a fifth. There's definitely a fifth. I'm not. I don't think there is. Maybe. If you know about the fifth wall, tweet <laughs> us at Gridiron. Uh good. Right. Uh, shall we start? I, I think we should go like a defense-offense situation. Work right. our way through the big moves. So, uh, Terry Matthew is in Houston, a one-year, seven million dollar deal. The Jets apparently went after him hard, but uh, they have ended up re-signing Mo Claiborne. I know not a similar type of player, but to a similar deal, a one-year, seven million dollar deal. I think the first thoughts were got Terry Matthew for uh, for some good money there. Why is he so cheap? Why was he not liked any longer by um, uh, by? By Arizona. By Arizona, yeah. Cardinals, that's what they're called. So what's going on there? Why wasn't there more of a scramble to get him? So I think there's, uh, to answer all the, the several of those points you're asking... Just why? The, With Tyrion <laughs> Matthew. The, kind of, the first reason is uh, injuries have been a problem. But actually, without the injuries, the level of play has also been an issue. He's a really interesting player who I still think is a slot type corners like safety like third safety in a nickel package etc is really high level he can still play free safety to a reasonably decent level because he reads the field brilliantly yeah. um, has he still got the same level of twitch and the same level of aggression that he's had previously I don't know and I think it's interesting that considering the kind of role that he plays I think he'll come in and slot in as the strong safety with Andre Howell behind him as the free safety I think the big gamble for them is they've got Jonathan Joseph there, Kevin Johnson, who had a brilliant rookie season but has not looked as good since with injury, mm-hmm. Kareem Jackson, who I'm not a huge fan of but could turn around and, and, and improve this year with better pieces around him. But it's kind of like you've got Aaron Colvin. Are you, you're essentially gambling that Aaron Colvin can play, is going to play outside corner on first and second downs and then move into the slot for third downs and if you're moving him into the slot for third downs what are you doing with Thierry Matthew in that situation because I'd have thought he'd have been your slot guy so you've kind of you've, you've they're not strictly similar players but they are a little bit on the same area and yeah I just think yeah I, I'm not I'm not sure it works to well, be honest Matthew said he sent out a tweet saying that out and out safeties of which he believes he is a, a dying breed and the the way that they're getting paid and it, it that for that reason is why they're not getting paid as much they're being asked to do other things like move into a bit of linebacking or lots more pass rushing stuff like that so do you think that's a concern of his or not um the thing is he can get in the box and he can make tack- he's a great that's the one thing he is better than anything else he's an amazing open field tackler yeah and there are some you know he can stop the running because he reads the game the, the key thing is he reads the game well and he, he's an open field tackler so that's why he's so movable um, so be, it will be fascinating to see how they use him and fascinating to see how that defence plays and how JJ Watt comes off the injury and how Jadavian Clowney comes back and how Mercer comes back there's so many question marks on that defence If it, it's one of those if it all comes together in the way it is in their heads right now you could end up with a top two top three defence in the NFL but it could also there are so many ifs buts and maybes in there it could be a real failed experiment and the fact that it's only a one year deal actually if he comes in and plays at a massively high level he'll then go on and sign his next 
big deal, whether that's in Houston or somewhere else, and he'll probably get paid proper high-end Let me throw some numbers money. at you quickly. He's one of three players since entering the league five years ago with 300 or more tackles, 25 or more tackles for loss, and 10 or more interceptions. You've got, com- you've got to compare the numbers pre and post his second major injury, though. And that those are the numbers I don't have in front of me, but they are telling numbers when I tell them to you. Uh, moving on. Vinnie Curry, now in Tampa Bay on a three-year, $23 million deal. Man got paid for going to win the Super Bowl. Um, I know Matt was really high on Trent Murphy, uh, who, for me, I think that Curry is the... Curry might not be the better player. Trent Murphy might overall be the, the better down-to-down player. But for the Bills... I think they they've done a it's a bad move from a Bills perspective because he's not doesn't fit their traditional four three scheme. Give me a Bucks perspective. No, no, no. I mean Trent Murphy to the Bills. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Trent Murphy's gone to the Bills. Trent, the Bills need an outside pass rusher, and Trent Murphy isn't a guy who on third down can go to the edge, bend the edge, get to the quarterback mm-hmm. on third and long. He's just not that kind of player. Vinnie Curry very much is that sort of player, and apparently the Bucks were in for Trent Murphy in a big way as well. I think they've got the better choice in Vinnie Curry, even if he's not the better pure player in the fit for their system and the same system that they seem to play in Buffalo. That's I I like I really like the Vinnie Curry signing overall. Yeah, so, I mean the Super Bowl winner coming into your building, telling the rest of the guys exactly what it's like. It'll bring in valuable experience from that respect. Uh, okay, however you feel he may play up against Trent Murphy or what or what not. It's a it, it's a huge upgrade on anything that they've got there. So I think it's a great move for the Bucks. Still need to see where on the defensive line. Finishing with the defensive line, Sheldon Richardson goes to the Vikings on a one-year prove-it deal. I mean, I, I, I've not been a big fan of his over the last two years because of the way his players tailed off horribly at the Jets since he got his contract. This is the moment for him now. He's got this one-year prove-it deal. He's playing on a line with an insane amount of quality and depth. Probably the best defensive line in the NFL with the addition of uh, of Sheldon Richardson. Go out there, wreck it, and then get your big contract after that. And also, Mike Zimmer, the kind of no-nonsense guy to get Sheldon Richardson back in line after a couple of years of talent being wasted, essentially. Zimmer said upon Richardson's arrival that Richardson doesn't necessarily put up the big numbers that one might have expected before he signed the big contract in, uh, uh, in New York. However what he does do is there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of disruption and that's exactly why he's been brought in so that other players like Daniel Hunter et al can then go and Everson Griffin can then go and do what they do so well so I think it's 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 a bit like Ndamukong Sue coming into a building where Sue's getting double triple teamed that then that allows other players to do what they need to do I think that's why uh, the Vikings have done this, brought in Richardson, one-year prove-it deal in one of the toughest divisions. I, I, I like the I like the move. I like the move. Similarly, Indomitian Sue is still working his way around the league, still popping up in places, still trying to figure something out. No, he's gone out. home. What? He's gone home to Miami. He cancelled his Raiders visit and he's what? gone home to Miami to weigh up his options. Uh, breaking news see I thought he was heading to uh, I thought he was heading to uh, for his next meeting in Oakland if I'm him and um, uh, I have I got the opportunity to go on a one year similar kind of deal probably bigger money than Sheldon Richardson makes but one year big money deal to 
the Los Angeles Rams and play alongside Aaron Donald for a year. Probably go go there, win yourself a Super Bowl, re- like wreck the entire of the NFC, and then go and get another big contract somewhere. Massive contract in Cleveland or somewhere like that. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, 100%. I'd yeah, love it- that. That would be the move I'd want to see him make. I don't think he will because he's made no bones about it that he is a, a guy who's after making the most money possible while in a short career. I get that. But it's a gun for hire. The the one thing, it, and it, uh, 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 um, an, an article by Jeremy Bergman on NFL.com, following a dinner with Coach Sean McVay uh, and the LA Rams on Tuesday night, Sue was slated to fly up to Oakland to meet the Raiders. However, Pelissero says that uh, the Rams reportedly made a strong impression. So you never know. He's had... He's had uh, a nice, I don't know, ribs or something with Sean McVay with Wade Phillips, and they've said, "Come on, man, come and win us the Super Bowl. Then you can go and do whatever you want." I reckon he's going to go back to LA. It's sunny, it's warm, it's similar to Miami in that <coughs> respect. He doesn't want to go anywhere cold it's again. Vacuous, it's, it's uh, vacuous. He full doesn't of horrendous people. Yeah, he it's... doesn't want to go to the the freezing north and play for anyone up there anymore. Go and go and live it up with a, a team that is seemingly on the rise, and with all of the additions they've made to their defense. Wow! Whoa! Bang! Um, okay, what about um, Carl Fuller? <laughs> Bears, you buffoons! Carl Fuller is going to be paid forty-two million dollars <laughs> potentially in his first three years of his contract. Now, I totally understand why they made the the option to decline his fifth year fifth year option he was a, a guy who had been ineffective since his first year brilliant rookie year had missed almost the entirety of his third year because of a knee injury had had issues in his second year um given any further complications to the knee injury could have guaranteed him that money in the fifth year it made total sense then he both kind of managed to get himself healthy and also played absolutely brilliantly in his fourth year right but it is far too early to suggest that that one brilliant year of play turns him into a number one cornerback. And he is being paid absolute number one cornerback money. I would have... I, they should have franchise tagged him. Yes, 15 million is too much to pay him for a season in general. But they saved themselves 2 million by giving him the transition tag for the year. And then, and then the, the Packers come in and and go, oh, we'll give him more money than that, seemingly just to mug off the Bears, the Bears just met it immediately, didn't even think about it, and now suddenly you've got this long-term tie to a player who's had one good season. I think it's madness. (laughs) It's fantastic. The Packers saw a need there. So there was some sort of uh, thinking that, yeah, okay, we... And we'll talk about Burnett leaving for the Steelers, who is part was part of that defensive backfield. But also, also by the way, even if you're going to sign him back, why not leave the Packers twisting in the wind for five days? Tell Fuller privately we're going to match that yeah. deal, and leave the Packers not knowing whilst you're in the second phase of free agency, and there are so many safeties and corners still potentially out there on the market. Leave them thinking they might have got their man, and then. Pull the rug out from underneath a rival at the last second. It's all been really bearsy. All been really so bearsy. Uh, look, the Packers have played a blinder here, and and I love it. And the Bears have fallen <laughs> for it, hook, line, and sinker. You could say they've been caught in a bear trap. 
Oh, I like it. Thank you very much. Uh, from a bear, week. from an overall Bears perspective, I, I I like their team they're putting together on the defensive side of the ball. I think they've got some good players there, and I think they've got some players who fit really nicely into the Carl into the um, Carl Fuller system, into the Vic Fangio system. So they could end up being a really good defense, but they they need a couple of pieces to augment it to get it up to a, a really high level but yeah I'm not sure Carl Fuller at that money is going to prove to be a good deal Morgan, pass rush. you mentioned Morgan Burnett to the Steelers three year deal good money for him as well uh, making there in in, uh, in Pittsburgh I think it's a really good move from a Steelers perspective because whilst they got really high play out of uh, rookie defensive backs in 2016 2017 there was a bit of a fall off there and now you've got Joe Hayden back there, who had a great year. Artie Burns, Morgan Burnett, Sean Davis. I mean, that's a decent four. Uh, your problem is still you need depth at corner, which isn't Cody Sensabaugh, who was dreadful last year. But overall, I, I, I like it for them. I do not like the situation that the Packers are in in their defensive backfield right now. Uh, the Packers are in a mess, but for the Steelers, it makes an awful lot of sense. Where it, it, Burnett is a guy who had been playing this kind of hybrid almost outside linebacker role at points dropping into safety switching across to to cornerback slot cornerback uh, picking up often a, a tight end here or there but they're going to use him as pretty much a pure free safety which is great like but even if they do do that they've got a guy who is versatile who is comfortable blitzing and comfortable being part of those those kind of blitz packages as well I think it's a fantastic signing and it's a huge loss not just from a talent point of view, but also from an experience point of view from that Packers backfield. Josh Jones, Kevin King were brought in uh, two and one um, in the 2016 or 2017, sorry, draft. And they're currently Green Bay's best defensive back, uh, defensive backs. So uh, with Quinton Rollins, and then they got rid of Demarius Randall. Davon House is yet to be re-signed. It's a, it's a worrying, worrying situation. And there are so many other needs on... Uh, I know they they snapped up Mohamed Wilkinson, but they could do with another pass rush. They need um, to, to figure out what they're going to do with Clay Matthews on the other side. And it it, it is worrying from a, de- from a defensive point of view for the Packers. I think they may end up in the draft going and picking up... Uh, another cornerback or, or the best safety on the board you know I'd love it if Minka Fitzpatrick falls that far but I doubt that he will um, yeah I don't think he will either I think you're right there uh, just while we're finishing last defensive move Brashad Breeland fails a physical doesn't sign with the Panthers I think what's going to be interesting from the Packers perspective it's going to be what you can get out of uh, King Kevin King it's Kevin King and Josh Jones the two rookies from last year yeah, brilliantly alliterative they they need those guys to step up in a big way this year and they showed flashes both guys showed flashes they need them to be starters this year uh, let's move on to the offensive side of the ball what are the Raiders doing? they like Doug Martin makes zero sense to me at this point after three down years Jordy Nelson, who is a player that everyone who listens to this podcast regularly and has done for the last five years, know that I'm absolutely head over heels in love with Jordy Nelson. But he's a guy who can't get separation anymore, particularly late in downs, which is what he was so good at in Green Bay. If you press him, if you put him up on man coverage, he's going to really struggle. And what you do, you let Michael Crabtree go, who... Who was arguably their best and most consistent receiver, apart from the fight with Tlaib last year. But, you know, he, he was still 
doing it week after week whereas Amari Cooper went missing for two-thirds three-quarters of the season so yeah get letting Crabtree walk is was a bizarre a bizarre decision yeah um and the thing is with Crabtree Crabtree has the same problem in that he's not particularly good against press man corners either but what he is a really good he's a really good crisp route runner he's not the paciest of guys not the most athletic of guys but he runs really good crisp routes which means he does get open late in the downs if you've got a decent play design Um, I think that he could potentially it's interesting that with Baltimore Ryan Grant has now ended up on a one year five million dollar contract in Indianapolis I mean the idea that, that this Ryan Grant is signed on this big contract gets absolutely lambasted. Michael Crabtree suddenly becomes available, and, oh, he has now failed his medical. A guy who hasn't missed a snap in the NFL at any point over the last mm. few years, and who his agent says if the season started next week, he'd be ready to go and on the field. That seems pretty dodgy to me. And he's gone from a guy who's getting a long-term big-money deal to having to sign a prove-it deal in Indianapolis. Um, Michael Crabtree, however... Whilst he's not, he's probably a decent number two, and that's better than, yeah, that's better than what they were probably getting in Ryan Grant. And you've they brought in John Brown as there, who's not even a number two, but with his pace can open the field, stretch the field, forces your free safety to consider him on that side of the field because of the deep option. The combination of those two suddenly upgrades Baltimore, even though they're kind of more than the sum of their parts, because actually they can do things schematically now because Crabtree and Brown, what they are against each other, whereas they weren't getting that with Ryan Grant. But I mean, Oakland then let their fullback go in a a trade to the Cowboys there. I just I can't figure out. Sherry, Sherry is convinced they're going to be really good under Gruden. I think I think they might be dreadful this year. You know why? What you know why they're doing this? It's because Gruden has been watching TV for the last however many years, and he likes the look of Doug Martin, and he likes the look of of uh, Jordy Nelson. He still believes all of these things. Still believes that he can get a, a tune out of them because of what he's he's seen from the commentary box, which is actually watching a TV in a stadium. That's that's what he's seen. Gruden is playing Madden with a real life football team and it will blow up in his face and I would love it to yeah he's one of the greatest players that I've ever seen get lost Gruden Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars sign Austin Safarian Jenkins a huge amount of potential there a lot of people talked about him making a big step up this season the numbers don't show that but I thought the level of play did and actually the fact that he's I like the fact that he's now a year and a half sober and that he's really yeah. sorted his life out and he's a guy who has a real upside um, Mercedes Lewis at 33 years old you can understand why they're moving on from him I like. he's obviously a player who we like a lot as a man and, and it's done a lot for the Jags over the years I don't understand letting Alan Hearns go as well though <laughs> that's crazy isn't it the amount they must trust those young receivers I mean there is there is potentially a lot of love um, not just for uh, not just for Marquis Lee who obviously got a lot of love in terms of his payday Dee Westbrook as well and so yeah Dee Westbrook is the guy who they're almost relying on and then Dante Moncrief coming in and being what a bit of a field stretcher I guess but that's definitely a weaker unit than it was three weeks ago well Dante Moncrief after his injury and the lack of Andrew Luck wasn't a good player and I don't I don't get the signing at all and when you've got Blake Bortles there who who let's just say 
isn't making the kind of throws that uh, Andrew Luck is going to be made would would have been making to Dante Moncrief. I don't really understand th- that in from that perspective. And when you had Hearns who knew the knew the scheme, knew everything about it, I think maybe the the the, the problem with Hearns is that he was rather injury prone, and they want to get a guy who's going to be fit and healthy on their roster for sixteen games. Now you can't guarantee yeah, Mon- anything. Moncrief's missed eleven games over well, the that, last two years. Absolutely, absolutely. And I just think perhaps it was a we need to, we'd need to pay Hearns X amount, and Moncrief was it's cheaper and it's a, a, much of a muchness. And you know, let's move on from from Hearns and, and and bring in Moncrief. It'll be interesting to see where Hearns ends up. It'll be third or fourth Arizona they got rid of loads of their wide receivers they've, I think they've only really got uh, big fits in there I could see Hearns doing a job there for Arizona apparently the Browns are interested in him um, there are a number of teams who are in the Alan Hearns stakes apparently the Cowboys Jets Ravens all vying for Alan Hearns as well so yeah there's a lot of love out there for him um, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands Danny Woodhead announces his retirement after nine seasons in the NFL it's a shame uh, I, I like he's a player again I like a lot but did have injury problems in his last couple of years at the yeah. Chargers and again at Baltimore as well but a difference maker when he was out there and a great uh, great kind of third down back great pass catching back and, and a really good player in his day the O-line deals have been kind of stunning to me um, the second raft of them we talked about how much money was being spent on the O-line first time round but Pouncey goes to the Chargers for big money Justin Pugh ends up at the cards five years, 45 million to go and play guard. Ryan Jensen goes to the Bucks for four years, 42 million. And I like Ryan Jensen a lot, but making him the highest paid centre in the league when he's got maybe borderline top 10 potential seems crazy. Sitting, given really good money by a Dolphins team who don't seem to know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, uh, it's the... the the lack of interior line depth in this draft has kind of seemed to really set the market for these guys and they're getting some big money so which is great because they deserve it they're like <laughs> i think offensive linemen are a bit like ambulance men ambulance men ambulance men and women people that uh, paramedics they're often called <laughs> in the trade but in the trade but you know what i mean like they they're on the front line they have to deal with people but they don't they don't get much recognition and I think O-linemen are a bit like that. And I'm glad that they're starting to get paid. I think of those, Josh Sitton to the Dolphins is great. I'm, obviously, um, Sitton did what he did for the Packers, and then he had a pretty good season with the Bears. I really like him as a player. And, OK, they lost Pouncey, but Sitton, OK, the, again, they don't play in the same position necessarily on the offensive line, but I think Sitton's a, a really, really good acquisition there. Sounds like it's been uh, been all sorted. I think we're done. All right, great Brilliant stuff, mate. Um, we'll be back early-ish next week with a podcast including Landon Collins and L. Thomas. Anyone going to the Irish events? Tweet us at Gridiron. Let us know what you thought. Uh, send us your picks, etc. We'll retweet all the really good stuff. Uh, we will obviously have the announcement of our tour coming up not too soon. So uh, not in the not too distant future. Not too soon. None of those makes sense. When the schedule's announced, we're going to figure out our tour and then we're going to announce it. The schedule will be announced around the draft, so it's only four or five weeks away. Um, you can go to touchdowntrips.com now and pay your refundable £100 deposit just to guarantee your place on the tour. So all very exciting. Ollie, any final thoughts? No, no. All right. No. In which case, thank you so much for listening. Love you all. 
This has been The Green Eye Show. Hooray! Woo!